What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Friday is here. Tail Varsity Radio presented by Currency. It's Elijah Herbal in the captain's chair. Today is Schmitty celebrating Christmas with some family this afternoon. He's got the afternoon off, but he will be back in tomorrow morning. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you what we have planned today is if you're a longtime fan of the show, I'm sure you've heard a couple of these in the past. It is a best of Hail Varsity Radio as we take you through some of our favorite interviews over recent weeks and months and do we have a good one planned for you today let's get right into it as uh, at 425 we'll have our interview with Brock Knudsen back in June this was right after the Scotts Bluff product committed to Nebraska we sat down with him and talked about his process what he brings to the football field again that's coming up at 425 a little bit later this hour we'll have the late great Mike Leach as uh, Mike Leach sat down with us a couple years ago to talk Christmas and uh, it's been fun to hear some of these old interviews with Mike Leach we miss him Nobody could do it like him, and uh, we'll be hearing his thoughts on Christmas a little bit later this hour. Next hour, Tom Osborne, Corey Schlesinger, and uh, both of them talking the day-by-day documentary. If you remember from it this past spring, we had some Husker greats on to talk. Those are the two we're going to be hearing from today. Again, Coach Tio himself and Corey Schlesinger, and we're also going to have some really breaking news regarding coffee and cream. It's been a great way to start the morning. Over the past month or so, DB and Andrew doing a great job rocking that morning show, and we have some big, big news coming a little bit later this hour uh, for our listeners up in Omaha. I'm sure they're going to really enjoy the news we have, but where we're going to start this best of off today is another one of those day-by-day interviews we conducted this past spring. It's Jason Peter joining us here, kicking off a best of Hail Varsity Radio as we get you geared up for the holiday weekend. We welcome in uh, Husker legend Jason Peter with us to talk day-by-day the upcoming Nebraska documentary. Jason, thanks for a few minutes. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Chris? Good, 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 good. And I know a lot of Nebraska fans excited about Day by Day, uh, the two-part documentary coming out. That'll be May 13th and 14th at the Rococo Theater. Daybydaymovie.com is where you can go and get the movie tickets uh, for a a big weekend. Jason, I'm anxious to hear your perspective on this and and just your role in this documentary. You're a major piece of, of the championship years, that golden era. What are you wanting with this film, as far as, you know, what do you want Nebraska fans to, to see and experience? Oh, I, I just think it's a, a neat deal and a different deal where, you know, everything that's been done, whether you're talking about Nebraska or you're talking about, you know, any other program that had some sort of run and, you know, where they're coming from a fan base where, you know, people, they eat that stuff up. You know, they love it. I mean, there's Nebraska football. That's you know, that's the only show out here, right? So even when we talk about teams that are 25 years removed, right, there's a large part of this state that still feels like kind of it was yesterday, you know, and 
and they know all of the characters that are in this movie. Um, but now you're getting it from, you know, the kind of inside that locker room. Obviously, certain stuff uh, you'd hope is just kind of locked away in the vault and, and never to be heard from again. But, uh, you know, for for a lot of, uh, for a lot of, uh, you know, the stuff that, uh, that went on, um, you know, back then, you're kind of going to, you're going to hear about it firsthand, you know, right out of the horse's mouth here. And uh, guys are going to tell you kind of exactly um, how it was or what was going through their heads. Um, you know, so it will be a, a, a much different perspective than I think, you know, uh, most documentaries that, that are made out there just, you know, it, not just in Nebraska football, but in sports in general, I think. Jason Peter is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Find him on Twitter at Jason Peter. Day by day, the documentary, May 13th and 14th at the Rococo. And uh, be sure to log on and get your tickets today, daybydaymovie.com. Coach Osborne talked a lot about chemistry. What did you notice the first time you stepped in that locker room, Jason, with with the team you were you were joining? Yeah, I mean it was uh, it was an intimidating thing, um, you know, much different than now. Uh, and obviously, being down there and, and helping out, um, you know, the way I have over the last couple of years, um, you kind of get to see how freshmen, you know, walk into into the locker room, and uh, it's it's different. You know, uh, you kind of were just. You didn't want to be, you know, quote unquote, noticed, you know, back then. You just kind of wanted to, to, to go with the flow. You wanted to be, you, you wanted to have to do everything, but you kind of didn't want to be noticed, you know, because if you were noticed, well, there's a good chance that, you know, the older guys were going to make uh, some sort of example out of you, whether it's, you know, in, in good nature, uh, sort of fun or, if, you know, they think that you're a little too cocky for, you know, 17, 18 year, years old, then, then it, it will be a different approach um, than sort of, you know, that, the, those welcoming arms that uh, people like to talk about. Um, yeah, so, you know, it was, uh, it was intimidating. And, and, you know, it was this high-powered machine that was moving at the time. Uh, you know, it wasn't about, I mean, I guess there, there was somewhat of the, the trying to get over the hump um, you know, in, in a lot of ways with trying to, you know, beat some of those Florida teams. I mean, Nebraska was at a point where back then they would kind of, you know, run the table uh, in, in the Big Eight, um, you know, get themselves to the Orange Bowl, and then, you know, nine out of ten times they were kind of getting run off the field, um, you know, by a Florida or a Miami, a Florida State, and uh, – and I was fortunate, you know, that I kind of stepped into this thing right as uh, there was like a, almost a changing of the guards and, and kind of uh, um, this, this uh, idea that losing any game is not acceptable, you know. Like the goal was to win them all. And I know every team kind of can say that going in, but that was the truth. It was uh, – there, there was this firm – belief this firm mindset that we weren't going to lose to anybody um you know and if you 
were a guy that was okay with losing a game or two games, then um, chances are you were you were not going to fit in in this crew. Um, you know, it was uh, the only uh, the only standard the bar that was set was uh, you know having a, a zero under that that L column, um, and that was just the way that it was. Jason Peter, a couple more minutes with us day by day. The documentary on uh, Nebraska football, the incredible run, 60-3. and three. Uh, The Rococo Theater, May 13th and 14th. More showings, of course, daybydaymovie.com is where you go get your tickets. And uh, Husker legend Jason Peter uh, joining us to talk about the, the documentary. Jason, uh, do you remember uh, kind of a come to Jesus in the locker room, either giving one or receiving one? Well, you know, you kind of had to – there was a – you know, this little saying where you had to kind of pay rent, uh, and you got your initiation, let's just say, into Nebraska football when you got kind of moved up to that varsity locker room. Um, but, you know, for as great as the varsity locker room was, um, I think also being in that freshman locker room played just as big an impact in guys' life because – it was number one. It was a kind of a uh, uh, earning your stripes mm-hmm. sort of deal. Uh, so you know, it was something that you knew everybody who had come into the program, who was successful in the program, had gone through this same sort of path, and they had to do the same thing. Um, but then it also made you kind of appreciate, um, you know, the varsity locker room and being up in that sort of uh, uh, being part of that brotherhood, um, you know, because back then it was, uh, you know, that freshman locker room. I mean, you got to know your fellow freshman teammates real well. Uh, You know, you kind of, you knew where guys had birthmarks where you wished you didn't know that information. Jason, we'll get you out of here on this. Thanks for the time. It's great to, to catch up again. Your time as a volunteer coach down at Nebraska and working with all the kids. Uh, how rewarding has it been for you? And uh, just touch on on the D-line and, and some of the talent in that room. Oh, it's great. You know, got a great, really great group of kids. You know, I, I'm not going to come on and say all this, you know, stuff that 
that people have kind of been hearing for the last few years. I mean, all I can tell you is, is what I see. And, you know, you got good kids that are working hard. No matter what anybody else thinks out there, you know, they're not wanting to lose. Uh, they're not trying to lose. It's a progression, you know. You know, it almost you think back to, to when Bo was here and he used to talk about, you know, the process and people got tired of the process, right? But you know, there there's a lot of truth in that. It, it is a process and not to say that, you know, winning nine games or losing nine games by, by you know, six points or whatever uh, is part of, of, of that process. It's seeing these kids go out and each day we're asking them to be better than they were yesterday. And if they can come out and they can do that, that's all you can really ask, you know, is that they, they're better today than they were yesterday. And obviously there are days where, you know, practice uh, you feel like isn't great. That's ever, uh, I don't care if you're talking about 95 Huskers or you're talking about the 2022 Huskers. Um, you know, it, bad practices are part of the deal. You just got to be able to recognize that it was bad and recognize um, – you know, the things that made it bad and make sure that it doesn't happen again. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, a, a, like I said, a, a group of good kids, obviously, you know, nothing is, is without, uh, uh, it's not never an easy path. Mm -hmm. And, uh, obviously leading up into this season, it's kind of, you know, gotten difficult here, uh, with some of the choices that some guys have made, but this is the deal. You can only roll with the guys that want to mm -hmm. be here. And, the guys that want to be here, I wouldn't want to trade them for anything in the world um, because they know they know what it takes. Um, they never complain. Uh, they want to win more than anybody. I can guarantee you that. You know, no matter if there's uh, five people in Memorial Stadium or if there's ninety thousand people in Memorial Stadium, nobody wants to win more than those kids that are dressed in the uniforms. And for the most part. They're do, they do everything that we ask them to do in preparation uh, for those wins. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. I hate to say you just kind of hope, you know, like you don't want to ever wait, you know, wait for the light or wait for, for us to get over that hump. you got to force yourself to get over that hump. And, you know, a big part of it is, is leadership, and that's something obviously that myself um, – uh, you know, Jay Foreman have been kind of helping with me with that as well, with, with building that leadership um, so that the team can kind of run itself. You know, you want it so that that, that inner leadership, those guys, whether it's the, the four captains or, you know, it's the, the 15 or however many seniors you have, those guys, they all got to take ownership. And when they take ownership in the thing and it means more to you, you're willing to go that extra mile and uh, do the extra things that, that, that nobody wants to do. And, you know, it's something I always tell them. It's like, what do you do? It's easy when the cameras are here, you know, and, and, or, or we got, you know, fans in to watch a, a game, a spring game or whatever. I said, but what do you do when nobody's looking, when nobody's watching? I go, because that, that, that's what separates, you know, the chumps from the champs. And, uh, and it's just a matter of getting more guys continuing to find guys that, uh, you know, think that way and, and operate that way. Um, you know, it's not about the glory. It's not about the articles. It's not about, you know, the Twitter love and all that stuff. It's about the guys in that locker room and, and uh, you know, playing for one another 
and then ultimately on Saturdays you're going out and you're playing for, you know, the 80,000 people that are in that stadium. Well said, Jason Peter, day by day. Uh, Jason, a part of the documentary. A lot of Nebraska fans excited to see it. What are you shooting today on 18? Hi, uh, golf days are over. Uh, my body's too jacked up, you know. Uh, it, now it's just about teaching the young with the, the kids, and I'm not was never good enough to be a teacher anyway at golf. So uh, I'll leave this, I'll leave that to the pros. But geez, with all this wind out here, um, you know, in Nebraska lately, can't be fun to be playing golf. It's uh, it's a challenge for sure. Jason, best to you. Uh, thanks for a few minutes today. Anytime, Chris. Talk to you later. Good stuff there. The best of Hale Varsity Radio rolls on after the break as we'll hear from Brock Knutson. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rolling through a best of Hale Varsity Radio on a Friday, getting you geared up for the holiday weekend. Let's take it back to June of this year when uh, we talked with Nebraska signee now Brock Knutson. This was right after he committed to Nebraska as a Scotts Bluff product is uh, going to be a Husker, and we talked with him back in June. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We say hi to the newest commit for 2023, offensive lineman from Scotts Bluff, Brock Knudsen with us. Brock, thanks for a few minutes, and how was the weekend? Let's start there. What was the uh, what was this visit like for you? Uh, it was awesome. My best visit by far. Um, the coaches and the staff went into – a lot more depth on like everything that they've done on like previous visits. So that was super nice. When, when you talk in depth, uh, give us an example if, if you can, or, or don't mind what, what specifically, how deep a dive was it? Um, we, uh, we just got our, our family got a uh, like more, more time with uh, coach Donnie in mm-hmm. the player's room, no line room. And he went in, into more depth on what he wants to do with me what I need to work on, what's uh, what's my similarities and my strengths to his uh, and to his coaching style. What were some of the, the comps that, that he told you about, or maybe he didn't go there, maybe he did, but what was the the outline for you? What does he what does he foresee for you? I uh, pretty much said I'm good. He said I just need to work on my uh, my pass set. I didn't really have a lot of film on that since we're uh, such a run heavy football team. It'll be that way again this year at Scotts Bluff. We uh, kind of run similar offenses to my old school. Brock, uh, a thought: What were you expecting from Coach Riola? And is this uh, how many times have you had a chance to communicate with him? Uh, Coach Donnie and I have been on the phone uh, pretty regularly since the since the spring game. Yeah, and so, it, we were we were talking back and forth before that, but it wasn't near as much as. Uh, after the spring game. So you've had uh, like nine different programs come after you. Iowa State flew out to see you. Uh, and, I mean, it's no secret you're you're one of the top, if not the top, offensive linemen in the state. You've had all that uh, interaction and exposure. What were you looking for in a program? Um, to be honest, I wasn't – I had a pretty open mind when uh, going into these, like, recruiting visits and stuff. I kind of just looked for like a, I don't know, a click, something that was uh, super like family oriented. I, I shouldn't say family oriented, but like was like a family, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I, I got a really tight knit family at home. So I want to go somewhere where it's the same. 
Now, tell me, Brock, uh, with, with offensive line specifically, what, what drew you to offensive line play? I mean, with, with your size, you could have gone off and played basketball. I mean, you could have done a number of things. But what was it about offensive line specifically that, that appealed to you? And, and why is that what you want to do uh, at the next level? I know it's, it's what you've been doing, but I, I guess what about offensive line makes you, you love that position, love the game? Uh, well, we're not really uh, basketball lovers in my family. Uh, <laughs> my dad was a three-time state champion for wrestling, and my grandpa was a two-time state champion. So I've been a wrestler ever since I was little. So we were we were never at uh, basketball tournaments. It was always wrestling meets. And then for the offensive line part, uh, this kind of stems from my uh, wrestling background. I just like manhandling other people. So you, you like just... You just like winning, pretty much, right? You just like uh-huh. just just getting physical with people. Brock Knudsen's with us. Uh, commitment to Nebraska, 2023 offensive tackle from Scotts Bluff. Brock, how much interaction, if any, have you had with Garrett Nelson? Of course, he was a really important recruit for Scott Frost year one. Garrett's got a lot of big things in front of him. Do, do you guys communicate regularly because you're from the same hometown, or was there any any interaction at all? Um, not really. I mean, there's a, there's a little bit, I did a, a podcast. It's, uh, called uh winner in the mailman here with, uh, Garrett Nelson. And, uh, so that, that's really about it. Um, Garrett's, I'm actually originally from Mitchell, which is about the town about eight miles away from Scott's Bluff. And I was there when Garrett was playing for Scott's Bluff. So we never really got any, uh, in person, mm-hmm. um, time together when he was when he was still here now brock when we talk about nebraska uh who are some of the other peers that you were able to connect with you mentioned kind of a a family feel uh some of the other 2023 kids that that have committed and some of the other kids that were on this this friday night uh lights slash weekend kind of expose who are you close with? Who are you? Uh, who are you pretty tight with here? That's either been recruited or being recruited. Um. Well, Sam Smudge and I met about a year ago. You know, he just committed. He was mm-hmm. committed before me. Uh, we met at the Warren Academy Showcase Camp in Omaha, and that's really uh, when my recruiting kind of started. So I was out. I had no offers then. It was kind of just going out there to get my name out there, and then. Uh, Going on this visit, Gunner and I hadn't got, hadn't been really close, hadn't talked much, and uh, talked a little bit on this visit. Got to know him, really like him. And then uh, Malachi Coleman and I hung out a little bit. You know, he's a recruit, four star, super good. So, and then uh, I really like hanging out with uh, Hunter Anthony, he's my player host. We got to hang out with all the guys, Bryce, Henry, Teddy. So, I really like that part. What's a, what's a host do for you uh, as far as being able to connect? It's one thing to go visit, right? And you've yeah. you've visited Nebraska, but this was an official. What what did Hunter Anthony do that was, uh, I, I guess, put you at ease or that was different in a really good way that, that made a difference? You already laid out what Coach Riola touched on and the time spent there. But from a from a peer standpoint, how did Hunter make it pretty good for you? Uh, well, he just transferred from uh, Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. and so him just getting there, and then me being my first time around the guys, it was kind of like we were both—I don't know, 
in the same position a little bit, even though he's been there and knows the guys and good friends with all of them. It was just, I don't know, felt easy to talk to everybody. Talking with, talking with uh, Nebraska commit Brock Knudsen. He's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Brock, you mentioned the fact that you didn't have any offers a year ago. And, I mean, the panhandle of Nebraska isn't necessarily a, a hotbed for recruiting. So I, I want you to tell me if you could go back to a year ago and, and tell your former self that today you'd be committing to the University of Nebraska. What, what do you think you of one year ago would have said? I would have told myself I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Why so? Um... A year ago, I've actually changed a lot in a year. And that's thanks to my trainer, uh, Isaac Holscher. He's, he's the same guy that actually uh, trained Garrett Nelson. I owe pretty much all of my athletic ability to him. He completely transformed me as an athlete. So, Brock, you've had the size, you've got the weight, you have the height, but it sounds like you've gone in the lab quite a bit to help with the agility, the footwork, the hand placement, all of that. Is that fair to say? Uh-huh. And then a lot of it is uh, want to in yeah. football and heart. And that's been installed in me from uh, super young ages, the will to win and hate and losing. Now, Brock, you mentioned the, the development you've made in the past year. What strides do you want to make here in, in the next year uh, before you make it to the University of Nebraska? Uh, I'd really like to develop my uh, my pass set, kind of my weak my weakness right now. Like I said earlier, we uh, we don't really have a lot of uh, run plays in our playbook, so that hasn't really been a I don't know a key skill in me developing. Brock, I got to go to to Friday night's dinner. Uh, that's been a, a bit of a talk where some pretty massive stakes were were brought out. Were you a part of that dinner? Yep. So, okay, what what happened with Bo Uli? Did did he really take down two of those tomahawks? Uh, I think so. Um, okay, better question. How many did you take down? <laughs> uh, I finished one, but I was stuck after that. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, they had they had a buffet when we first got there, so I was loading up. I didn't even know about the steaks. I thought we were getting those uh, the next day, but I went there. And I was full after that. It's a man after my own heart. <laughs> we, we, I gotta, I gotta ask you, what was on the buffet here? I mean, what was the spread like? Um, I think they had uh, lobster mac and cheese, um, some twice baked potatoes, and then some other stuff. But that's all I can remember now. Okay, and then and then they just walk out a a forty eight ounce tomahawk, huh? Tomahawk. Yeah, it was huge. It's like a three inch steak. Oh, I know. I mean, I, I, I dream of having one sometime. Uh, <laughs> but the word is, uh, I think uh, Bo Uli took two of them down, and there's an old classic 80s movie called The Great Outdoors with John Candy, okay? And uh-huh. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, so the old 96er. Did this, would two of those rival John <laughs> Candy's 96er? <laughs> That's, that is probably pretty close. It was huge. And, and Bo's, Bo's a big guy, so it wouldn't surprise me if he did take down two. Now, Brock, you being an offensive lineman, if you were setting the menu, I know offensive linemen usually tend to like steak a good amount. Uh, would you be putting steak on the menu, or what's on the Brock Knudsen menu if you could choose anything in the world? Um, I would have to say surf and turf. I love seafood, and I love beef, so. Okay. 
Lobster, lo- lobster or shrimp? Lobster. Okay. Mm, good choice. Yeah, yeah. Or, or or crab. I love crab too. Okay. Lobster well, with the ribeye? Just that's, that's a win. That's a total over. win. It's over. Brock Knudsen's with us. Brock, it's been fun to, to chat with you. As we wrap up here, what um, what can you tell us about you know Nebraska's offense? Kind of the new offense, right, or the or the new look offense with with Riola and the the run game, and, and of course what they're what they're wanting from offensive linemen. Are they are you set on playing tackle? Are they thinking about on the inside at guard? Tell us a little bit how they project you at the next level. Uh, I'm going to be mostly a tackle primary. Okay, and as far as philosophy or, or kind of uh, mentality is is the offense to your knowledge going to be more downhill is it is it kind of a 50 50 run pass what what were they talking to you about it, it looking like uh, hopefully we can get back to old Nebraska football and just run the ball gotcha just just power that's, ball that's, that's my favorite I love doing that <laughs> I love pushing guys out of the way that sounds uh, like uh, a lot of Nebraska fans for sure wanting to uh, to do some 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 power football. Brock, enjoy your your evening. Thanks for squeezing us in, and uh, best to you and your family. Thanks for taking a few minutes with Hale Varsity Radio. Thank you. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for 10 dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code gbr and now and now back to hail varsity radio rolling through a friday it's elijah herbal taking you through today's hail varsity radio and if you're just tuning in or if you missed it today's show a best of hail varsity radio some of our favorite interviews over the past weeks and months and in uh, the, the, this case for this next upcoming interview, uh, the past couple of years, as this one comes to us from, uh, I believe, back in 2016, is one of our favorites that we've ever had on. The late, great Mike Leach joined us to talk about all things Christmas, and uh, it's uh, been a fun way to honor him over the past couple of weeks to play some of our favorite spots from him. And uh, I'll let you know, if you got any kids in the car, you might want to change the station as uh, Mike Leach spills the beans on some of the secrets of Christmas. That's what I'll say here. Let's get right to it. It's Mike Leach talking Christmas on this best of Hail Varsity Radio. Now I got to ask you with the holiday season, are you a fake tree or real tree guy? Uh, <laughs> well, prefer real trees. Uh, like most people have uh, copped out and uh, and uh, and do fake trees. Yeah, it's been straight fake tree for the last couple of years. I like real trees better. And did you eventually break the news to the young ones about Santa, or did you let them learn on your own, on their own? My oldest daughter, it was a bit of a jolt, ah. uh, the Santa thing. And then after that, uh, if I remember correctly. Correctly, we had my oldest daughter convinced, and 
you know, wanted to have that experience, believe in Santa, which I was mixed on that because I'm still a little pissed on um, the deception that took place with uh, with me and Santa and my parents years ago, you know. And um, and my oldest daughter, if I recall correctly, she, I mean, she was into Santa and was inclined to believe in Santa. And my mo- my wife was more into pushing that than I was, uh, and I imagine she's still mad too. Cause she's got a temper, and so um, <laughs> she didn't like the fact that uh, that uh, she'd been uh, led led <laughs> down a dark path in the Santa thing. And then <clears throat> my next daughter, it's almost like she knew from the beginning that there wasn't Santa Claus, and she and, and it was sort of like. Uh, she says, well, of course it's not real. Everybody knows that. You know, she is one of those that saw through it right from the beginning. And then from there on, the other kids, it was just, uh, I guess, osmosis from uh, from the older kids that, no, there wasn't Santa. So they, they, had a, they, they, they had a lot better time of it than I did. Well, tell me about your experience. What happened? Well, I'm going along and see, back then, Santa was more heavily reinforced, I think, than it is now. And back then, um, you know, Santa this, Santa that. And, and I've been picking away at the Santa story for years because I was always, you know, skeptical. Uh, and I mean skeptical to the point where, you know, as it got towards Christmas and mom was uh, kind of suspiciously ducking in and ducking out, well, I would go on search parties and search the house uh, surreptitiously and uh, find the presents and things stashed away. And I mean, even to the point, and this is not the child, the type of child someone wants, but nevertheless, you know, to have it worked out what I wanted. And I'd even do stuff like when I, she was going to be gone for a while, uh, and, I, and, I began, and I was a master of it. I would unwrap uh, the presents, you know, get a paring knife and just slit the tape, you know, where the, it was wrapped and slip the box out check it out, you know, play with it for half an hour, put it back in, tape it back up, uh, and look surprised at Christmas. Well, then it got to be where, well, we got all these presents. Because, see, I knew, I knew that, all right, I'd seen some of these presents. But there was always something, you know, because she'd wrap it, and they'd end up under the tree. But there would always be something on Christmas Day that wasn't part of the wrapped ones I discovered. And basically, they were generally somebody, like whether it was a a younger brother or sister getting a tricycle or something, somebody was getting something big enough that it wasn't practical to wrap. Ah. Or something misshapen, so it wasn't practical to wrap. And so then what they would do is they'd, of course, set that under the tree, and so... Others aren't left out with uh, unwrapped things under the tree in the morning. You know, so you'd wake up in the morning and boom, there's uh, some extra stuff. And that would include like a, uh, a tricycle or something big. And so that, well, so nobody's left out. They would ensure that somebody, that everybody got something under the tree um, the morning of. And so, well, so then it's like, uh, you know, I start out with a, a line of questioning. Of course, and this went on for years. I start out with a line of questioning. Um, so uh, does Santa get us all of the presents? You know, um, well, uh, no, Grandma and Grandpa get us some presents, you know. Uh, well, how about uh, other things like this or like that? 
and then I'd say, well, how about, how about, how about uh, the Daniel Boone gun that I got last year? Did Santa get me that, or did you get me that? And, how do you communicate you know, between the two? Occasionally, she, she'd get stuck, and she'd say, well, uh, I don't remember, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, but, uh, you know, there's, uh, and then it eventually worked its way towards, well, the stuff on Christmas, uh, you know, that you, uh, that's out there, you know, on Christmas morning, that's definitely Santa, you know. And so I was starting to close in, but, you know, the thing is, I was still a believer. And I was still a believer somewhere along the line. And there wasn't as, you know, then it was the type of thing on TV at three channels, which right. amazingly, several of the shows that I would watch are still on Charlie Brown Christmas, hmm. uh, the Rudolph uh the red-nosed reindeer with that's like made out of puppets or whatever, and Burl Ives is a, a snowman in the thing. I mean, um, so remarkably, some of them still on. But anyway, as I start closing in, eventually, you could tell because the parents had that expression on their face. We we need to have a talk about something, and so, <laughs> and this is as my. And keep in mind that the, the intense questioning had gone on for like three years. They're tired and of so, it, huh? <laughs> and, so, and, and so then eventually it's like they got a goofy expression on their face, and it's leading into Christmas, as I recall correctly. It's like uh, probably this time, you know, this time of year in relation to Christmas. Uh, well, uh, we have to have a talk. Uh, okay, now this stuff about Santa Claus. Well, it's like my parents had never lied to me. I mean, it was a loss of innocence. It was, uh, it was, uh, uh, you know, you can't go home anymore, and it's not the same. I mean, it's all those things. Just this, and then, and then I even started rattling through. Well, I asked about this, and I asked about this, and I asked about this. Bam, wham, right in the face, you know. I mean, there isn't a nice man uh, up north with a, a bunch of friendly elves uh, pulls all this stuff off. And I would have to say our family, uh, my sister was like, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> and then um, and then my brother was, well, he was younger, and he was just trying to stay out of harm's way from me and my sister. So, um because she was, uh, you know, she was a fairly, uh, my sister was and still is a person that'll put her hands on you. <laughs> and um, so, uh, but anyway, so you're really opening up the holidays on a positive note with uh, with your listeners. So, uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas to everybody. <laughs> we'll warn them. Uh, Santa's got a sweatshop and it's breaking and entering. Coach, you have a great holiday. We'll try and catch up after bowl season and enjoy yourself, and congrats on the year again. All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, and we'll look forward to talking to you guys again. So no one quite like him, Mike Leach, on this Best of Hail Varsity Radio. We'll wrap up the first hour after this with some big news. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back in here, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency, a best of Hail Varsity Radio today as we take you through some of the best interviews we've had over the past weeks and months on the show. Schmitty's got the day off, but he will be back in tomorrow morning as we're going to get your Christmas Eve started right. Schmitty, Cranach, and myself joining you from 7 to 9 here locally on ESPN Lincoln. Our listeners across the state can catch that streaming online, ESPN Lincoln. 
TuneIn.com, whatever radio streaming services you like as well. TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, all places you can use to catch it. Or you can catch the video live stream, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter. Uh, also, the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter page and Hail Varsity's YouTube page is the places that you can catch our Christmas Eve morning show Tomorrow morning from 7 to 9 as uh, we want to get your holiday weekend kicked off the right way. And also, that's going to be available in podcast form if you got a busy Christmas Eve planned tomorrow. Uh, that podcast will be available all next week long as Schmidt and myself have next week off. It's going to be bowl coverage for our local listeners as so many bowl games next week. All of them can be heard here locally on ESPN Lincoln. Check with your uh, local affiliate for their bowl coverage schedule as well. Schmidt and myself will be back on January 4th. That is Wednesday following New Year's Day. That's when Schmidt will be back from Arizona. That's when I will be back in studio. That's when we'll have more live shows for you. But again, one more live show coming before we take all, next week off. It is tomorrow morning from 7 to 9. Catch it live. Catch it in podcast form, however you want to do it. Uh, check in with us then. But before we get out this hour, we do have some big breaking news to bring to you. This news dropping a little bit earlier on our Twitter account today. So those that follow us at HVarsity Radio on Twitter got this news just a little bit early. And it's big news. It's something that you all have been asking for for a long time. Our uh, friends over in the morning, Andrew Rogers and Damon Binning, are finally coming to Omaha Morning Radio 590 up in Omaha. That's ESPN Radio. We'll have coffee and cream, the morning show. It's been here locally on ESPN Lincoln for about a month or so, and it's now coming to the airwaves of Omaha as well as the rest of northeastern Nebraska on 597 to 9. Coffee and cream will be starting on January 3rd. So that is the Tuesday following the New Year's holiday. And uh, we can't be more excited to get DB back on the airwaves up in Omaha. We've really enjoyed being on the airwaves in Omaha, Schmidt and myself. And it's been a fun adventure for us. We hope you've enjoyed it just the same. And you know what? Damon and Andrew are now going to be making their foray into Omaha radio the first time as a partnership. They've been doing great work in the podcast for our listeners up in Omaha. But you now get to catch them live from 7 to 9, Mondays through Fridays. Coffee and Cream will be on 590 in Omaha as well as here locally on ESPN Lincoln. And if you're not in Omaha or Lincoln, not in the uh communities that can catch those two you can always catch coffee and cream in podcast form that's a hail varsity radios podcast page wherever you like to get your podcasts wherever you catch hail varsity radio you can also catch coffee and cream it's on the same page and we've really enjoyed having a partnership with them over the past month or so and we're really excited for them to be up in Omaha. Again, that starts on January 3rd. We could not be more excited for Coffee and Cream. Before we get out of here this hour, one final reminder for those late holiday shoppers. Maybe you uh, you put it off. Maybe it's been a busy couple of weeks for you at your job, at home, whatever. I don't blame you. I've been doing some late procrastination holiday shopping the past couple of days as well. And we have a great offer for you. Uh, and uh, offer is the word you got to remember. HailVarsity.com backslash offer is where you can go for Hail Varsity Radio's discount offer for you. Hail Varsity Magazine. You can either go monthly or annual. We have a great discount for both of those options check it out get your holiday shopping wrapped up hailvarsity.com backslash offer we'll have more of the best of hail varsity radio coming your way next hour your child has brain cancer can you imagine hearing those words about your own child nearly 5,000 families each year hear this life-changing diagnosis and live daily with the fear it brings when a child is diagnosed with brain cancer 
their lives are forever changed. The treatments used to treat children are toxic and cause damage to their developing bodies that can affect them for the rest of their lives. 95% of children who survive brain cancer will develop a significant health condition by the age of 45 as a direct result of the toxic treatments. This includes diagnosis of another cancer later in life or other countless deadly health problems. Our kids are special, and we need to treat them that way. By making a donation to the Team Jack Foundation, you fund research that leads to safer, more effective treatments, giving kids hope. You can be the difference. You can fund the cure. Join us and donate today by visiting teamjackfoundation.org. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We uh, welcome in legendary Hall of Fame coach Tom Osborne with us, of course, teammates, mentoring coach. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into day by, day by day in just a moment. The wind has died down a little bit. I want to know if you're catching any fish. Well, I've been out a little bit, uh, nothing exotic, uh, <laughs> but a few ponds uh, locally, and crappies are biting, bass pretty slow yet, the water's still cold. So, yeah, I've been out a little bit. Crappie season, that, that makes me think of going crappie fishing with my grandfather. And he was out in, uh, in by McCook, and, and he caught a lot of fish uh, in his time. Any special way you prepare crappie? No, I just fillet them and uh, usually uh, fry them or bake them, either way. But they are good. Crappies are one of the better fish to eat, along with walleyes. And, and, but I, I always like trout salmon, too. So, hmm. I guess I'm kind of a fish-eating fan. So Tom Osborne's with us. Well, how do you feel as May approaches with Day by Day, the two-part documentary on Nebraska football? You've been a, been a part of it. A number of your, your players have been a part of it. Do you feel excited? What's your emotion as this thing uh, is near airing? Well, uh, you know, I've, I've done some interviews for uh, uh, Josh Davis and the folks that have put it together. I know a lot of players have, have done many, many interviews. I think they've got a good product. I can't say that I've seen every bit of it. But the main thing that I think comes across is that uh, during the era of the 90s, those players uh, have, have had thoughts and they went through experiences, many of many of which uh, I was not privy to. And so it's been kind of interesting to get their take on things and, and, uh, and also maybe to see a little bit more of what their life has been like since, what they've become. So it's been interesting to me uh, to participate in the process. And I think that uh, it probably gives fans a pretty good flavor of, uh, of a lot of things that went on behind the scenes. Uh, a lot of people, and of course, it's been long enough now that maybe there's a lot of people in Nebraska that aren't really aware of that area of the 90s, era of the 90s, even those who did live through it, I think would get a lot of insight into uh, the lives of some of the players, what they went through, and, and what their experiences were like. Tom Osborne's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, day by day. The documentary, uh, two-part documentary, uh, airs. That'll air Friday the 13th of May uh, down at the Rococo Theater, uh, daybydaymovie.coms, where you can log on, purchase tickets to, to see. And uh, I remember seeing the uh, the 
trailer of it at halftime of this year's spring game, and it garnered lots of oohs and ahs from the the 50,000-plus on-site to watch uh, Nebraska's spring game just a couple weekends ago. The the first half, Coach Osborne, is titled The Rise, the build-up to to what became the best run in college football history, 60-3. and From a recruiting and a development standpoint, Coach, did you think you were were poised to, to put a pretty good run together? Well, I think a, a lot of things came together. It was uh, sort of a, the perfect storm uh, in terms of a good coaching staff that had been together a long time. And then uh, a little bit of fortuitous uh, recruiting. You had uh, Tommy Frazier being a part of that. A lot of a lot of really great players, offensive linemen like Zach Wiegert and Aaron Taylor and, and on and on. And uh, and then some, some excellent uh, running back. We had talent. And then the thing that I think maybe of interest to people was that uh, the the team chemistry uh, seemed to be extraordinary. They're, the uh, players were willing to make great sacrifice and uh, and to not be egocentric, and uh, so uh, it was probably the most unified team the teams that, that I ever had anything to do with. And uh, and I'd have to say that Jack Stark are. Uh, team sports psychologists as part of that. They created a unity council which was helpful. We, we developed great leadership from within the team and as a result, my, my job as a coach in some ways was easier than it ever had been uh, simply because the players really uh, took responsibility and, and accountability and kept everything going in the right direction. So they, they knew what they were about, they knew what they wanted to do, and they were willing to lay it on the line every day. And uh, so it was uh, it was a unique time and a unique period. And I think that uh, it will be of interest to a lot of fans to, to kind of get a, more of a behind-the-scenes look at what, what went on during that period of time. A few minutes here. Tom Osborne with us, Hale Varsity Radio Hall of Fame coach. Day by day, the movie on uh, Nebraska and the championship run coming out in May. Daybyday.com is where you can log on and, and get your movie tickets. And, of course, teammates uh, mentoring. Uh, we'll get uh, there in a moment, Coach, just with all the positive impact you've had on so many kids in uh, well around the country, quite honestly. You mentioned selflessness and kind of that attitude. Is that, a, is that a personality trait you looked at in recruiting, or was it part of that chemistry once players got to Lincoln that, Okay, this was this was our locker room climate. They bought in. Well, naturally, you you try to uh, in recruiting make sure that you're not going to be recruiting uh, people that are going to be divisive. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of hard to determine. Uh, you know, you you're not recruits individually, and of course, they're not usually going to show all all aspects of their personality. You you tend to get a feel from talking to their high school coaches and and maybe interacting with them a little bit in the presence of their, their family. And if there would be a red flag that would uh, come up, then sometimes we would back off. But that that selection process is, is really imperfect. And, and so recruiting is a little bit like throwing darts. <laughs> and um, I think that the main thing that, had to do with team chemistry was something that developed during that period of time within the team and, and team leadership. And uh, we uh, we had some uh, some guys that uh, weren't gonna weren't gonna let things slip. And uh, probably a pretty good example of that was 
I remember in 1996, we had what was a bad, <laughs> it wasn't a bad year. We were 11 and 2 and we won the Orange Bowl. But uh, at Grant Wistrom and Jason Peter both appeared to be first round picks in the NFL. And they came in to, to see me at the end of that season. And uh, he said, uh, and, I, and I thought they were going to tell me they were going to declare for the draft. And uh, they said, well, you know, Coach, we lost two games this year. And I said, yeah, I, I remember that. And uh, they said, well, uh, we didn't think that was very good. And I said, well, I, I agree. And they said, we're going we're gonna to come back and uh, we're going to win them all. And, uh, and so it was uh, that kind of attitude that uh, – well, those guys uh, could have been hurt as seniors and never played again. And uh, but uh, as it was, uh, they they came back and they were really instrumental in providing leadership uh, for that team. And 1997, we did go undefeated and we did end up tying for the national championship. But without those two guys and without the attitude that they displayed. Uh, probably uh, would would not have been the same team, and uh, and so it wasn't just uh, Jason and Grant. It was a lot of other players that really had a similar attitude, and uh, and that's kind of rare. And today, uh, in today's game of football uh, or basketball or whatever, I don't think you'd see that. And uh, so anyway, it was a it was a special time and unique group of players. Tom Osborne's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Coach. If you were coaching today, how would you navigate, handle, deal with the portal? Well, I I really I don't know. Uh, the uh, the difficult thing right now is you have unrestricted free agency in college uh, football. And uh, you don't have that in, in professional sports because there's a contract. And you can pretty well be assured that at least 90% of your team is going to be back next year. Whereas in college sports, uh, you have absolutely no guarantee that anybody will be back the next year. And uh, so it's uh, it's got to be very uncomfortable for coaches and very hard to manage. And uh Sometimes uh, people leave really late in the process, in the recruiting process, at a time when you really can't go out and, and try to fill those scholarships that are vacated at the last minute. And uh, so it's become very chaotic. And, uh, and I think most people in athletics realize that uh, something's going to have to change or, or else the instability will be pretty much overwhelming. The other thing that has happened, of course, is that in professional sports, you have a salary cap. So uh, each team is allowed to spend the same amount of money. And uh, and there is no salary cap in uh, NIL. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have some teams that will uh, have NIL money that run into the 20, 30 million range and some that maybe are not able to raise more than a million or $2 million or maybe not even that. And so you're going to have a built-in disparity in, in competitive balance. And uh, 
So uh, I'm not. I don't know if the NCAA will survive in, in terms of uh, of the way things are run right now with the Power Five conferences. And uh, so anyway, there's a lot of things in flux, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But it, any any coach today has got to be very uncomfortable with the situation. Coach, uh, I thought on Coach Frost is is he's going into year five. Uh, some changes on his offensive staff as uh, you look forward to year five for for Coach Frost and a couple of names you're familiar with that, that are additions. Uh, a Riola, uh, one that was at Wisconsin. Uh, of course, uh, Bill Bush back in Lincoln and and Mickey Joseph. Uh, you know, we didn't see a lot on a spring football Saturday, but some changes and it sounds like there's some. Uh, some uh, some confidence, some optimism here for next season. Yeah, I've uh, I've had some conversation with Mickey uh, Joseph, and uh, Mickey seems to be doing an excellent job, both coaching and recruiting. Uh, Riola, I had not known before, but I've met with him a couple times, uh, just casual conversation. But it seems like uh, he's doing really well, and that they're. Uh, Offensive line uh, did well this year, and uh, and then uh, of course uh, new a new offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. new running back coach. I don't know those guys as well, but uh, I think Scott is pleased with the changes that have occurred and feels somewhat energized. And so hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll be a, a good year coming forward. But the one thing that does appear obvious is that the uh, schedule is not going to be quite as difficult it doesn't mean it's easy and and you you can never take anything for granted but last year it was really brutal and uh and the thing that was was kind of remarkable was there there were no blowouts uh, uh every game was competitive right up to the end of the fourth quarter and uh so that's why i thought it was really important that Scott have another year because uh, uh, the, the scoreboard, the final scoreboard and the final total of wins and losses was not what anyone would, would desire. The, the general level of play was better than what the uh, record would indicate. Coach, uh, last thought, what's happening with you and, and teammates? And uh, you had such a positive impact for so many years with uh, with kids in, in Nebraska, but also as Team H has branched out uh, around the country. And uh, I know it's near and dear to your heart. Well, it's uh, the last uh, couple of years have been uh, difficult to navigate because of the uh, school closures mm-hmm. where so many kids were doing remote learning and we were able to adjust and develop a, a, a portal where uh, mentoring could occur online and then it ended up being about 60% in person and about 40% over the internet and uh, that's never quite desirable but we uh, have pretty well weathered that storm, made some adjustments and we currently have uh, right at 190 uh, school districts that we're in in five states and of course the majority in Nebraska about 145 uh, chapters in Nebraska about 25 in Iowa about 11 or 12 in Kansas 
about seven or eight in South Dakota and four in Wyoming. So we continue to grow and uh, things are, are going well. And uh, have a new uh, CEO, Des Moines Adams, who was a defensive uh, end for Nebraska back in the uh, in the early uh, 2000s, and he's done a great job. And so uh, we think things are on a, on a very good trajectory right now. Coach Tom Osborne with us. Coach, when you go see this movie, are you going popcorn or candy or both? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, uh, I'll i probably just stay there and uh, I'll probably learn a lot of things that I really didn't know because uh, <laughs> there will be a lot of comments come out of the players' mouths that I was not privy to. So <laughs> I'll, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Coach, you take care. Thanks for the time today. Okay. Thanks for having me. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. The best of Hale Varsity Radio rolls on here on a Friday. We just heard from Coach T.O. Now let's hear from another former Husker great, Corey Schlesinger with us here on the best of Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We are getting closer and closer to kickoff, and we needed some fullback perspective. We welcome in Husker Hall of Famer, Corey Schlesinger. Uh, Corey, it's been a while. What's uh, new with you? How have you been? Well, I'm just uh, enjoying the summer right now. Um, so I'm just, uh, you know, having a good time. So it's uh, it's kind of hot out today, though, but, uh, you know, it's okay. Um, are you up in Michigan, I take it? Yeah, yeah, in Michigan. So it's one of those uh, rare Nebraska days, Corey, where the uh, temperature is right at 100, but the heat index is at 105. Does that bring back uh, any memories of uh, summer workouts uh, during your time in Nebraska? Well, I mean, that's the good part is uh, they would have us condition at the hottest part of the day around 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock, and which was probably it's pretty smart because, um, you know, you got to be able to work in these type of conditions because sometimes games are played and it's pretty warm out. So uh, getting out there at that time, it was it was tough but uh, we got through it so uh, it wasn't too bad Corey Schlesinger's with us at Hale Varsity Radio Corey uh, some thoughts uh, how much do you cover I should say keep an eye on Nebraska uh, up in Michigan you still follow the Big Red oh absolutely you know everybody's like oh well you know my daughters they both went to Michigan State I know they did but uh, <laughs> it was close and but uh, you know I will never be a Michigan State fan or a Michigan fan. So, <laughs> sorry, guys, but uh, uh, always be a Husker fan. So, um, yes, I try to get uh, as much information in as I possibly can. I know there's, you know, a lot of football up here, so 
sometimes I don't get a chance to see some of the games, but uh, it uh, it's always on my mind. I'm always uh, cheering them on, and hopefully they get some more wins in this year. That's the question. Uh, a big year five uh, kickoff over in Ireland, and, and more of a uh, we anticipate anyway a pro style offense with with Mark Whipple coming in, and Whipple uh, did some time in the NFL, of course, and. I don't know that there's uh, – Elijah, you can help me with this. I don't know that there's a fullback on the roster. There's not. There's not. Yeah, you can make a good argument for Jack Yant. But. Yeah, but yeah, Jack's, Jack's a, a big dude carrying the football, but uh, not as many fullbacks in the game anymore. But, uh, Corey, let's spend a minute on, on your position and your time in Lincoln with that running back room and, and just uh, your role and, uh, and how important it was uh, with that Osborne offense. Well, I mean, a fullback definitely was very important in that offense of uh, of that you know that type of game. Um, you know, that he wanted between tackle players, he wanted real guys to get on the outside and block the uh, um, some of the safeties or corners that are hanging out there. Um, he wanted, you know, we ran the ball every once in a while, but uh, you know, our main job was to block for the the tailbacks. Uh, it was a great opportunity. Um, it's kind of funny when I got. Uh, I went to visit the Lions. The offense coordinator said, "Hey, listen, you're not going to run the ball. You're not going to catch the ball. You're just going to block for number 20." I'm like, "Hey, I can, I can do that." Cause that's <laughs> mostly what I did in college, anyway. So it was, it was pretty fun. Um, I did. You know, we were a tough bunch of guys. I tell you what, the fullbacks were a tough group of players. That um, you know, we worked hard. We worked with the running backs, and and you know, obviously our running backs have always been good at Nebraska, but. Uh, Getting a chance to get the, some of the best in the country, it was uh, a really great privilege. Corey, we had some some comments from Pat Narduzzi earlier this week about how much Mark Whipple likes to throw the ball, and it's I guess time will tell what that actually looks like in the Nebraska offense. But as a fullback yourself, are you a run the damn ball kind of guy? I'm I'm absolutely run the ball kind of guy. But then again, I'm not you know I'm not analyzing the film. I'm not seeing what's really going on out there. Um, I don't know. I prefer running the ball. I think uh, teams do really. Well. I think you know Michigan. They throw the, you know, they did pretty well. They had, they throw a fullback in there every once in a while. They they try to run the ball as much as they can, and um, that's just the style of football that I'm used to at Nebraska. I'm used to our front uh, offensive linemen, our front five, just mauling on guys, and I and our running backs be able to run through guys and also get yards of contact, and that is just what. Uh, I expect out of these players and um, always have wet and always will. So I, you know, I'm not there right now to mm-hmm. say this to them, but uh, Hey, that's, that's what I expect out of these guys. Corey, I got to ask you going back to your, your playing days, the offensive line that you had in front of you is arguably the, the greatest era of offensive linemen, maybe in college football history with the pipeline guys. And I know you're not, in the Nebraska room, you know, day in and day out now. But as you watch Nebraska play and watch the line play over the last, oh, God, 20 years. But anyway, but what what are, what are have the offensive lines at Nebraska been missing in over the, the last 20 years compared to what those guys had? Maybe it's an intangible, the mentality. What did those guys have back in the 90s that, that Nebraska football has been missing? Well, it's interesting because I don't know what the guys right now – you know what they're feeling, but our guys had confidence in in what they were going to do. 
Uh, we have Zach Weger, who's going to, you know, he's a Hall of Famer guy. He is an outstanding player. We had Brendan Stye. We had Rob Zadiska. These guys were just monsters, and they were just n- never afraid to go out there and do their business. And they weren't dirty, but they, they meant business, and they, they gave it to the player uh, to the defense. Uh, Joel Wilkes, who he was a walk-on guy from Hastings who came in there, and he, he worked hard in the offseason. He got big enough to play with these guys and, and did an outstanding job. Um, Aaron Graham, our center, uh, outstanding player also. These guys just had attitude that was just outstanding. Also, what makes a huge difference is they practice against some of the best defensive players every every day. So, I mean, that really makes a difference, too. When you're playing against first-round draft pick um, defensive guys and All-Americans, well, you're going to get better. So, for us, I mean, we're playing against the best every day in practice. How could you not get better? So, uh, you know, we just had uh, – and then it's kind of interesting because uh, even the, our backup guys, when I uh, – Phil Ellis, uh, Luther Ellis, my goodness, Phil Ellis. Luther Ellis, when he played at Utah, when the, he's like, oh, finally the second string is in here. But he goes, second string was just as good as the first string. And I'm like, that's, that's just the way we rolled in, that, in the offense. And, um, you know, Coach Osborne and Dan Young and those guys, they just got these guys going and, and just mauled on players. Physical football, Corey Schlesinger embodied that fullback for Nebraska, Hale Varsity Radio. Corey, let's go back to, to your friendship and uh, being a teammate of uh, Barry. Barry uh, is one of the best, if not the best ever. Loved him uh, watching him growing up, uh, even when Oklahoma State would come to Lincoln. That was the guy that so many Nebraska fans and college football fans loved seeing. And uh, tell me about your experience in that backfield with Barry and uh, and opening holes for him. I know there was a lot of one back, but there's a there's a ton of two back where you were leading the way for for the greatest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can remember the first game of being in the huddle, and I had Barry Sanders. I had a guy next to me, Lomas Brown, who played I don't like 18 years. He's got a Super Bowl ring. Um, and then on the on the defense and the Steelers, they had Greg Lloyd and Kevin Green and just these monsters over there. But uh, just being in the backfield with him, I'm like, wow, I cannot believe I'm a rookie in the backfield in the huddle with Barry Sanders, watching him play at Oklahoma State. And why did we not pick that guy up? I don't know why we didn't bring him in here, but because uh, we felt like you know we don't need a small guy on there. But uh, um, and not only was he a great athlete, just talented, but he was a good player in the locker room too he was a very i locked right next to him he was a, a very nice guy he was very well spoken and you know he didn't give hassle to anybody he just uh did his job and and uh had a good time he really didn't was never a loud player i think it was kind of interesting too uh, a few years ago i mean several years ago right now already um the huskers br- uh, brought me in to talk to the players and and I brought in a clip of, of Barry, and every time he scored a touchdown, it wasn't about him. He threw the ball back to the ref and came back and congratulated the offense lineman, even though the linemen were just hanging on for dear life, and he would did as much as anything else. He made eight guys miss to get in the end zone, but he still came back and congratulated the offensive lineman for getting him in the end zone. And uh, I don't know if that inspired these guys, but uh, it seemed like that year it's kind of like, yep, get the ball back to the ref, and 
go back and congratulate the office of guys that got me into the end zone. And uh, I thought that was really one of the best things by him because now there's so much. It's all about me. Look at me. Take my helmet. You know, no, it was not about him. It was about, uh, you know, I'm going to score a touchdown. It's not a big deal because I'm going to go do it again. Next play. Couple minutes left. Corey Schlesinger with us, Husker Hall of Famer, twelve-year uh, NFL vet, uh, and uh, making the uh, list on NFL.com and the NFL Network uh, greatest fullbacks ever. Corey, I want to go back to to that mentality portion, not only on the offensive line you talked about, but also uh, just chemistry. What was it about chemistry on those Nebraska teams that that helped get get you guys over the hump? You were really good. But it went from good to great to, to win that first title. Oh, absolutely. Um, the chemistry there was uh, having confidence in each other. They had, I had confidence my running back was going to follow me and lead me to the hole and, and set me up also to make the, the block that I need to do. I had uh, confidence that my linemen were going to do the right thing. I knew that they knew their, their play. I knew they were going to get that assignment done. Um, and that's what it was. So I just knew I'm aiming for that, that hole right there. I know these guys are going to be able to do it and get through it. Um, there was no, uh, there was no, nobody really pointing fingers at anybody either saying, Hey, you're, you're not doing this or you're not doing that. Um, it was just a, a team saying, Hey, you, you messed that play up. Let's get up and go, let's go do it again. We'll get this. We'll do better next time. And, uh, that's what, uh, got us going that's what kept us going um also we were very well conditioned and that's probably one of the the best things that uh we were we were doing is uh not only did we get conditioned but uh, coach osborne got us conditioned um you know we can all see that in the uh you know that that fourth quarter in the um orange bowl game that uh, we were probably the better conditioned team uh especially on offense uh for that game and uh, just the work ethic we have, it was great. And we made each other accountable. And that uh, definitely will be probably the best offense I've ever played with. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rolling through a best of Hale Varsity Radio here as uh, – if you're just tuning in with us, uh, we're taking you through some of our favorite interviews over the past weeks and months. We've already heard from uh, Scott's Bluff, offensive tackle, future Husker, Brock Knudsen, Jason Peter as well, joining us back in hour one. Heard from Tom Osborne earlier this hour. Now let's get to part two of our two-part interview with Corey Schlesinger, an interview uh, which we had back in July. A couple of minutes left. Corey Schlesinger with us, Husker Hall of Famer, uh, 12-year NFL vet. Corey, along those lines of conditioning, and I want to go back to where we started this uh, this conversation, and those that being the summer workouts. I had the opportunity to go down to the to the field those those week weekday afternoons and, and watch you guys uh, work out. Coaches are not around. I had my little project, but I got to sit in the stands and watch as you guys worked and held each other accountable. And there's like a hundred guys out there in hundred plus degree heat. Give fans an idea of what those workouts were like and what the accountability and, dare I say, fear factor was like if you didn't do what you were supposed to do uh, and Christian and Jason and Aaron and all those guys were there to hold you accountable. Well, that's 
that's probably the, you know, besides the conditioning, uh, they, I mean, Boyd Epley and his staff, Ryan Bailey, I always give that man credit, Mike Arthur, and then the other, all the other guys that were there, Randy Goble and um, a lot of interns and stuff like that. Um, they did a lot of research in what it takes to get us going. The nice thing about it, it was all individual position uh, workouts because I shouldn't be doing the same thing as DBs are doing because they're running backwards all the time. I'm not running backwards. I'm doing this and this and office line. They're doing certain things also. Um, but uh, they did, you know, those straight guys did an awesome job. But uh, accountability, I thought, happened during one of the two-a-day sessions where uh, a couple guys were fighting, offense and defense linemen were, were fighting, and uh, it's kind of like, you know, what are you guys fighting about? And basically it was like because one guy was slacking, and it's like, we can't have that. We want to win. I don't care if it's not coming your way. You can't slack on this play. And I'm like, wow, that's, that was very impressive to say, hey, you guys are fighting because somebody's not putting in 100% effort. You know, a lot of guys – you know, hey, you know, full linebacker, you know, don't, hey, full Corey, don't hit me this hard in practice. I'm like, I'm sorry, I got one speed. That's basically full speed. <laughs> and I'm going to hit you. And uh, so every once in a while in the NFL, too, I would kind of like give my fingers and, hey, I'm coming this way, so be ready. So you bet I'm going to hit you, but I'm not going to drive you. And, but, uh, you know, the accountability and that's what made our team so strong is just, making sure everybody was doing what they're supposed to be doing and nobody was slacking and, and you're in the weight room. Hey, you got to get this, you got to do these things, get these things done. And I'm sure probably all the other schools are saying the same thing, but I think at Nebraska, it was really done correctly. How many face masks career wise did you go through? Oh man, too many. My buddy <laughs> gives me a hard time about that, but uh, I'm like, I don't know. Cause it's interesting because our, equipment manager got so tired of changing these things. He's like, you know what? We're going to start putting a tally on our Detroit Line website to see how many face masks this guy actually goes through. <laughs> and uh, I went through a lot. So that's, uh, it's, uh, that means I'm doing the right thing. I'm seeing what I'm hitting, and, and I'm hitting the guys too. So that's the main part. I don't know if I'd be able to play in the NFL these days because, I don't know, it's just, you know, all this contact you're not allowed to do now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was the best thing for me is uh, – having a large head that uh, was able to uh, hit these linebackers. <laughs> well, I remember Andy Janovich with the Broncos. First play from scrimmage in his first regular season game, he broke the face mask, making the lead block. So, just full nice. man. Husker <laughs> way. Yeah, you, you, break a, you, you, Absolutely. you break a linebacker you and a face mask. Uh, Put your face in it. That's what I always said. You stick your face in it, and uh, that's what we had to do. Corey Schlesinger's with us, Husker Hall of Famer, uh, great uh, Detroit Lion, and uh, wrapped up his career uh, one year with the Dolphins. Corey, uh, before we let you go, NFL Network came out with their top five fullbacks of all time. In at five, John Ritchie, uh, Moose Johnson at four, Max Strong, remember him with the Seahawks at three. Yep. You come in at number two all time. Yep. Uh, greatest uh, fullbacks in the NFL. Number one's Lorenzo Neal. But uh, how do you feel about coming in number two? How do you feel about making that list? That's pretty awesome. And it's kind of interesting. He said, well, you know, all staff's on here because he was kind of a running back. Larry Sanders, he was kind of a receiver. Mm -hmm. These are like the fullbacks that get 10 carries a season. These are the guys that are sticking their necks in it (laughs) and hitting the linebackers. And, 
You know, Lorenzo Neal, I, I got a pretty good story about that guy. Um, he was playing for Tampa Bay, and uh, he was on kickoff return, and I was on kickoff, and somehow it was just he and I were in the right path, and I'm like, okay, you know, this is going to hurt, but uh, I went at him as hard as I could, and we hit each other. And I think there was a you know indicator on the earthquake meter there, <laughs> Tampa Bay, something. But uh, after that hit, I mean, we kind of just hit each other. We kind of went sideways. We didn't go backwards. I didn't go backwards. He didn't go backwards. We just kind of went boom and uh, kind of went sideways. But my tongue went numb. That's kind of an interesting thing. I've never had that happen before in my life, but my just my tongue. I'm like, that is the weirdest thing in the world. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> uh, he was a he was a heck of a player. I tell you what, he would he would smash these guys, and that's an honor to be on that list to uh, some of the toughest uh, fullbacks uh, in the NFL. All those guys were great guys and great players that I played with and watched. Um, so it's a it's a very it's a great honor to be one of those guys in that list. And uh, yeah, it's a, it was it was fun. Corey, you, you, you won uh, state uh, wrestling twice, uh, uh, your junior and senior year at 189, and he also did demolition derby in high school. Did that prep you, <laughs> yep. did that prep you perfectly for, for the fullback position? Absolutely. That's another thing. Lorenzo Neal, he was a great wrestler also. Um, I'm not sure about the other guys, but, uh, you know, there's two wrestlers in the top one-two right there. That's that's good. Um, I think Lorenzo's probably better than I am. I think he's got – I think he was wrestling in college also, but, uh, you know, being a wrestler, I think really helps me out in injury because, you know, you're getting twisted up all the time and get your ligaments stretched and pulled and stuff like that. And I think that really benefited me. And, uh, and plus it helped me with my flexibility. I have really good flexibility. Um, that definitely helps out, uh, toughness wise also, because you got, you got if you're going to be pretty tough to, to win these matches, um, then Demolition Derby, oh, my goodness. I mean, there's nothing you can beat other than Demolition Derby. Um, even though, i got a little story on that one, but the first time I, have, I did it at 15 years old, um, I went out to the, my first heat. You can't hear anything. I mean, you cannot not explain how loud it is down there when you got those cars going like that. But, uh yeah, I got disqualified for not hitting, but <laughs> uh, I pulled out of the, out of the arena, and my dad kind of to me and said, hey, if you're going to do this, you have to go out there and hit. I'm like, but I did not realize. I thought every little hit, my car was destroyed, but we built those cars very well, and uh, it, it didn't put a scratch on the things. But uh, So I went out there, won the Constellation, and then actually went to the finals, and my father made it, my older brother made it. I got in there. Um, and I ended up getting first place in my very first demolition derby. So it was uh, it was an absolute blast. I cannot believe they don't make cars like this anymore. But uh, <laughs> there was another no experience other than trying to drive the demolition derby. Doris Schlesinger with us, Husker great, and uh, longtime NFLer, uh, making that top fullback list in the NFL. Corey, best to you and your family. Thanks for giving us a few minutes. It was awesome to talk to you again. Absolutely. Call me back anytime you like. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Wrapping up a Friday best of Hale Varsity Radio, as you just heard from Corey Schlesinger, a two part interview on this best of Hale Varsity. You also heard from 
Uh, the man himself, Coach Tom Osborne, joining us to lead off Hour 2. And then back in Hour 1, we had Jason Peter, Brock Knudsen, uh, and the uh, late, great Mike Leach all joining us on this Best of Hail Varsity Radio. If you missed any of the show today, as always, check us out in podcast form. Search us up. Hail Varsity Radio is where you find us. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you like to find us, uh, you can do it that way. You can also check us out at HVarsity Radio on Twitter. A link to the full podcast is put up every single day, as well as clips from the show. And then you can also check out our friends with Coffee and Cream, who, as we heard a little bit earlier in the show, they're going to be moving to Omaha here shortly as January 3rd is their first day on 590 up in Omaha. Check them out. They've been awesome here locally in Lincoln. Can't wait to have them in Omaha, and they're a great part of our Hail Varsity Radio team. Again, we're going to be on the air tomorrow morning from 7 to 9 for our local listeners on ESPN Lincoln. If you're listening from across the state, maybe you got some last-minute Christmas Eve shopping you want to get done. You're going to be doing that tomorrow morning. You can tune in on any of your favorite radio listening apps. That's TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Odyssey. You can check us out on ESPNLincoln.com as well or wherever we do live streams, which right now is ESPN Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter as well as the Hale Varsity uh, Twitter page. That's at HVarsityRadio and on the Hale varsity youtube pages all places will have the video live stream rocking for you tomorrow morning because tomorrow morning is going to be our final show before we take a week off for christmas so from sunday the 25th all the way through tuesday january 3rd schmitty and myself will be off schmitty's gonna be down in arizona i will be burying the cold weather here in lincoln and just uh, enjoying a few days off between holidays i will be going to a wedding during that time so i'm gonna enjoy my week off but i also can't wait to get back at it on wednesday january 4th and Hopefully we'll have some good news to talk about and some uh, fun bowl games to talk about as well as that's what's going to be coming up here locally all next week long on ESPN Lincoln. Bowl coverage is uh, what the name of the game is going to be. Before we get out of here, let's give you a quick preview of what's coming up tomorrow morning on the show as we're going to get our reaction to a new Husker transfer portal commit. It's Ben Scott from Arizona State, originally from uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. He played a couple years at Arizona State uh, with the coaching change, decided he needed a new stop, and he announced yesterday, his mom actually announced on Facebook on Thursday night, uh, that uh, he would be coming to Nebraska. He makes it official today, and Ben Scott will be a Husker. This is exciting news. If you subscribe uh, to the folks over at Pro Football Focus, they'll let you know that he is a top 20 center according to their metrics last season and now he's coming and uh, you assume going to be fighting for a starting spot along that Husker offensive line he played both center and a couple games at tackle as well and I think center is where he will uh, slot in to this Husker football team so we'll have more reaction to that on your Saturday morning edition we we'll also have a double rewind tomorrow morning with a couple signees that we talked to this week. Jason Majacek from Pierce, South Dakota, as well as Gunnar Gatula from Lincoln Southeast. Gunnar, obviously an offensive tackle, big body. And uh, we talked to him on Wednesday, along with Jason, who uh, could be playing both offensive line or defensive line. We're not quite sure just yet. We're going to get them in the rewind tomorrow morning. And then we'll hear from Brandon Vogel leading off hour two, as well as Gary Sharp a little bit later in the second 
hour. Uh, so our usual Saturday morning guests, it will be the usual three, Chris Schmidt, uh, Mark Cranach, and myself, Elijah Herbal, taking you through a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. That's when we will talk to you next. We'll get a week off after that, and we'll talk to you on January 3rd. But tune in tomorrow morning, 7-9 on ESPN Lincoln for Hale Varsity Radio. A Huda Media Production.